This is J.M.D. Mateus, and you're listening to Superior Spider Talk. Spider Talk. My name is Dan, and I'm the editor of GrindMyReels.com. And I'm Mark. I'm the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Thanks for joining us for the eighth episode of Superior Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Episode 8 is a special Superior Spider Talk and Friends edition and is one of the five podcasts we will be releasing over the next week, which includes interviews from the Connecticut Comic-Con event that Dan and I attended on August 24th up in Trumbull, Connecticut. We were lucky to be able to speak to five influential Marvel creators who all worked on Spider-Man comics over the years, like J.M. DeMatteis, Mark Bagley, the legendary Tom DeFalco, Danny Figueroff, and Jim Salakrup. In this episode, we'll share our overall experiences from the Comic-Con and then run our interview with JMD, who penned such famous storylines as Craven's Last Hunt, the death of Harry Osborn, and the death of Aunt May in Amazing Spider-Man 400. If you want to skip to a specific section, just use the chapter selection arrows on your player. Although I don't know why you would want to skip around, because our interview is going to be awesome. Yes. <laughs> also, if you hear this sound... Please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. You can email us any comments, questions you have regarding this podcast to superiorspidertalk at gmail.com or visit us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash superiorspidertalk. Yeah, let me tell you something about that Facebook page, Dan. Our Facebook page is actually a great place to keep up with us in between shows as we often put up articles that we've written and other breaking news about the Spider-Man universe and how to get in touch with us. Uh, so please, like Dan said, like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash superior spider talk. And also don't forget to review us on iTunes and leave us a rating. We really appreciate your feedback. Sing. It's another comic con thing. It's another ever-loving blue-eyed Comic-Con. Time for the fates of the Hollywood big breasts to be decided by guys dressed like kick-ass zing. It's another Comic-Con. Uh, so, uh, Dan, why don't we talk about our just overall impressions from the con before we get into our awesome J.M. DeMatteis interview. Yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to talk to you about the uh, Connecticut uh, Comic-Con, as they're calling it. With the big yeah. capital letters, yeah. Yeah, and, and interestingly enough, this was actually the first con I ever attended. I know, Dan, you've been to a bunch. Um, yeah, I'm a little always, surprised, Mark. I figured this would be, like, home for you. I know. Um, I've always had this, like, weird aversion to cons because, I, you know, and, and, and this is an experience that really changed it for the better, obviously, because I just kind of thought of it as a place where, you know, people just went around either in costume or paid money to then go in and buy stuff. I really didn't get the the whole point of 
meeting and talking with creators. I thought that they kind of kept everyone holed up behind glass and everything like that. So the fact that this was really an interactive experience, I'm like, oh, man, I, I totally want to do more cons now. This is really fun. Yeah, you know, it was nice to go like on almost assignment from this podcast because it gave us a reason to kind of have long-standing conversations. And when I've been to cons before, I kind of like to talk to people and stuff, but I don't have a real good reason to be talking to them outside of like <laughs> being a fan of their work. And here, like, it was kind of like doing homework, but also like really getting to know these people. And they became like real people to me. But I mean, the real highlight for me was meeting you, Mark. We've never met before, and. Yeah. And yeah, I know. Cool. Outside of, you know, a, a video panel on our laptops every once in a while. Um, but no, I, I agree. I mean, you know, it was good to to put, I, I guess, it's more than a face, a, a living amorphous body <laughs> with a <laughs> name. Oh, boy. Um, what a great and- descriptor for, for me. I know, I know, and 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 you know, you you got to meet my family, which I, I and and they all loved you, so that's good. And um, I, because if they didn't, you know, podcasts would be over. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, listeners, you, you're lucky that I'm a nice guy. Exactly, exactly. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was definitely going with another fan. Regardless of how awesome that fan is, um, I think helps the experience because it's just good to be able to share with someone. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, it kind of felt a little bit like homework, but I mean, I, I, I live for these kind of conversations. I, I, I'm definitely a bit of a gossip guy in terms of um, how how sausage is made with the things that I love in the world, so to speak. So, you know, we got to talk to the likes of like a, well, I mean, you know, JMD or or. or Tom DeFalco or Jim Salakrup or I mean all of them. I mean they all just share these little tidbits that, you know, maybe we heard these stories once before, but you know, hearing it from them directly um really clarified things for me and and, and made me think about things in a new way. So Yeah, um, and I think I think listeners, you guys will uh really appreciate when you hear it, like, you know, just how like fun it is. I I've listened back to the audio and I, I think it's gonna be quite fun for you guys. Yeah, I mean, the only concern I have is, um, and I concern, use that word loosely, is the fact that um, I'm being told by people who've gone to the bigger cons like New York and San Diego that this is not the kind of experience you have at the bigger cons. I mean, this was definitely a smaller event. It was a passionate event, and I felt the, the people who put this together did a wonderful job. The, 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 the cosplayers looked great. Um, there was some really, there was a good, uh, Scarlet Spider costume, right, Dan? Yeah, a really great Scarlet Spider costume. Um, and, uh, but my favorite were the Dr. Doom and Thing costumes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, this is, again, I mean, all part of the experience. Um, so the, the fact that we had the, the, the intimacy of the smaller event, I mean, I think that really worked out for us and hopefully our, our listeners will, will agree with us once they hear these interviews. Yeah. And I, you know. The other whole other part we haven't even talked about yet is the shopping um, and the potential deals. And I've never really found too many good deals on on like classic issues. I've bought very few issues. I did get my first Stan Lee issue at uh, Baltimore Comic Con, the the ap- first appearance of the Looter, uh, <laughs> <laughs> who's a who's a who's a favorite of mine, a, a joking favorite of mine. Yeah, um, I, it had to be the first Stan Lee that I got, and uh, but I tend to avoid it because the prices are way higher than you could get on eBay or uh, going to a, like a comic book shop where someone actually cares about you. Um, right. 
Uh, I happen to have a very favorable comic book shop that I shop at. But for me, the real like thing here is you got to find the cheapest bin in the entire con and just dig through it. And it's great for getting forgotten Spider-Man comics. And boy, did we hit the jackpot this time, didn't we, Mark? Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, you know, the comics I picked up, maybe they were forgotten and should have stayed forgotten. But I, I actually grabbed a bunch of Clone Saga issues. Because, you know, the thing is, I've been, you know, I criticized this story for years. And, and you know, with a recent string of posts I've been doing, I kind of starting to almost soften to it. Like reading it being removed from the 90s and the weekly saga that it was. So they were like, I, I went to one bin and I got $14 worth of comics, which was like, felt like 40 pounds of them. <laughs> yeah, so, so Mark, how much does... The Clone Saga way. Uh, I, I would say half of it was enough to put a crink in my back, what, the, carrying it on my backpack on the way home last the other the other day. But otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> it's all the it's all the all the poly bags and chromium. I think add to the weight. <laughs> <laughs> this is literally metal. Yeah, <laughs> these these are metallic comic books, my friends. And and Dan, you got something really awesome. Yeah, I, I picked up. All of the best arcs, I think, of uh, of um, spectacular Spider-Man, including like the death of Harry and the death of uh, Gene DeWolf. All, all these death stories. I know. Um, the, like our favorite Boomerang issue that we discussed a couple episodes ago. Uh, just a lot of really like nice runs that I really enjoy. Issue 100. But the thing is, they were all in the 50 cent bin, just like yours. So it was – I got like 20 – comics and talk the guy down to like 15 bucks or something or no no like no, i got like 20 comics and got it for like mean, seven mean, bucks yeah you mean you talked him up to 15 yeah bucks? right okay yeah no i'm an idiot no I, I got it for like seven bucks it was it was a it was a nice load and um you know some stories that i really enjoy that aren't necessarily part of my collecting of amazing spider-man but uh you know books that i love so that was really yeah. fun yeah, and for those who follow me over at my other hat, comics should be good with the gimmick or good uh, feature. I actually grabbed a few future entries for that in, in one of the cheapo bins, too. So, um, you know, good times. Good times, good times. Yeah, I had a blast. I hope we do it again real soon. his amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. Um, so without further ado, let's get to our first interview, which was um, it actually was our literal first interview of the day on Saturday. It was J.M. Uh, DeMatteis, the Eisner Award-winning comic book writer who wrote definitely some of my favorite Spider-Man stories of all time. Um, was a real thrill just to meet him. He is, I would probably say, the nicest guy you'll ever meet. He's exactly how I, from his writing, how I imagined him to be in terms of being very thoughtful and and conscientious when he when 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 he's speaking and how he's interacting with you. Very funny. 
Um, very honest. Um, so I, I, I really am excited about this interview. Hi, this is Mark Janaki of Superior Spire Talk here with uh, J.M. DiMatteis, uh, who wrote uh, specific runs on Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, Marvel Team-Up. Uh, we're at Connecticut Comic-Con. We're very happy to have him here. We just have a couple questions we want to ask him about his time on some of the Spider-Man titles. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for joining us, J.M. It's a pleasure. Um, yeah, the first question, I really wanted to go deep cut to start uh, with uh, Amazing Spider-Man 220 now, was that was that your first official Spider-Man work with Marvel? The uh, the Red Ghosts. And, oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. It wasn't I'm like, to... like my brain is going. <laughs> yeah, what is what this? What was that? You know. Um, um, I'm the... trying to think whether I was do- I might was I doing Marvel Team Up already at that point. I know Tom DeFalco, who's right down the hall over there, was editing those books then, and I guess Denny O'Neill had plotted that issue and for some reason couldn't finish it, so they just said here. So it made, that may have been the first one, but I think I was doing Marvel Team Up before that. I mean. Did that was was getting onto that book. I mean, because ASM was still the big. The, it was right. the A title. So I mean, was that kind of? Did you look at that almost as kind of like, you know, your first big big at bat in the big league, so to I speak? I think because it was just one issue that I was helping. And if they had said, "Hey, you're writing Amazing Spider-Man," maybe it would have been my head would have exploded a little right. bit more. But because it was just one issue, it was just sort of like, "All right, let me go in and do the best job I can." I got a Denny O'Neill plot. Who could ask for anything more? You know, and, right? Uh, Tom DeFalco editing me. So uh, no, so. It didn't. It didn't feel momentous in that way. Gotcha. Yeah. So when you were when you were doing team up. Yeah. How did that kind of get your you know re- help you help you refine your chops uh, in terms of comic book writing? You know, the, when I look back on a lot of that stuff that I did in the early days, it always took me like six or seven issues to find my footing, which means there were six or seven not very good stories to start. Not intentionally, of course, I was doing my best, you know? So poor Herb Trimpey, who wrote the first ba- drew the first batch of stories that I wrote, I always feel like those stories were like not very good. And just when Herb left the book, and Herb is a great artist, you right. know? Just when he left the book, I sort of went, oh, I, I got this now. And then Carrie Gamble came on. And right around the time that Carrie came on the book was when I kind of clicked with it and figured out how to how to do those stories in the right way and the trick with a team-up book is you have to make it matter because usually they're throwaway stories and you know you're not going to affect continuity in a big way so you want to find stories that have psychological and emotional resonance and it took me six or seven issues to get there and then I really enjoyed that run it was a lot of fun and you know kind of talking about the psychological uh, approach that you take with these characters I mean you know one of the things that fans of, of Spider-Man celebrate your runs for is this cerebral look that you do with a lot of Peter's supporting cast, like the Harry Osborn saga, Craven the Hunter, um, uh, who else am I missing here? Uh, well, let's, let's, let's start with, with Harry. I mean, wh- what, what is it like to take a character like that that's been in existence, been in continuity for years, and, and try and really go underneath and, and get further, deeper into the character? Well, you know, credit where credit's due, Jerry Conway had laid the groundwork for all that work. You know what I mean? When, when Harry in the past had gone nuts and become the Green Goblin. And... and I just sort of peeled back a few other layers there. But but those are the things that fascinate me. That's what I... You know, it's great. You know, two guys in costumes punching each other, that's fine. But I call it the big why. Why do they do this? Why would someone... You know, that was what I did with Craven. Why is this guy running around trying to shoot Spider-Man? What is there in his past? What's the trauma? What's the psychological twist that made him do this? And what I loved about Peter and Harry was... These guys were best friends. They loved each other. Even while Harry was trying to kill Peter, yeah. he loved him. You know right. what I mean? And that tension between those two things made for such great stories. And you had Harry's whole dysfunctional past with his dad. He was so messed up, you know? And I used that child within story to get into 
dig even deeper into Peter's past, which I had never really seen dealt with, which was like, where's the aftershocks of Peter's parents dying? You know, we know, oh yeah, he lost his parents, he moved in with Aunt May and Uncle Ben and blah, blah, blah. And we always dealt with the Uncle Ben trauma. But a little kid who's like four years old and loses his parents, that's huge, you know what I mean? So I used Harry's trauma and Peter's trauma and Vermin's trauma to all sort of play off against each other in that story. But I loved the Harry-Peter dynamic. It was really, really great. Uh, you know, the, the title of the last story I did was called Best of Enemies, and that's what it was. They were best friends and they were enemies. And for Peter, they, Peter didn't even consider him an enemy. He was just like in this horrible... It put, you want to put your, your main character in a, in a spot where like no matter which way he goes, he's screwed, you know? Right. And that's what it was with Harry. Right. Peter, you know, he has to stop him, but he's his best friend and he wants to help him. And it was a, uh, so there was a lot of ground there for exploration of the psyche. You know? right. And of course, in, in Best of Enemies, Harry dies at the yeah. end. I mean, what is it, what is it like to, to script the ending of a, of a long-term character like that? Well, I did it with Craven. I did it with Aunt May. I did it with Harry. So obviously, I'm sick, yeah. <laughs> and I have a desperate need to kill these people. Um, I just I remember years ago, just before the Aunt May death thing, I was on the phone with one of the other Spider-Man writers, Howard Mackey, and we were discussing the possibility of Aunt May's death. And it, it's, it was like two mafia guys on the. It was like this old lady, she's got to die. You know what I mean? It's, it's good for the book that she's got to die. You know. Um, but you know, it comes out of the story. It's not like you. Just just decide I'm gonna you know there's something in the story and the Harry story where well, there was an inevitability to Harry's death and uh, and a great tragedy and yet a great triumph because he comes back at the end he comes back to himself and realizes who he is and who Peter is to him before he goes and half, he stayed dead for a good what 15 years or right. more so I consider that a triumph. Craven stayed dead for more than that, like 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Aunt May stayed dead for like 17 and a half minutes. Yeah. That one, I don't know, you know? I mean, does that bother you when, when they come you know, back? I mean, it's comics. Yeah. Everybody comes back. The, the Aunt May thing was a little too quick for my taste. Right. And then the explanation was a little bizarre. You know, when they brought Craven back, uh, I thought they did a great job. I thought it was yeah. a really good story. Yeah. It was logical. It had great, great emotional resonance going on. It was a really good story. Um, and I thought they brought Harry back in a good way. In fact, I did a little... Uh, right around that time, I did a Harry backup story that explained what happened when he came back mm. and how Peter reacted. So, I, And I thought it all made sense. That was great. And how long, you know... They, you know, they own these characters. They're going to come back. Right. They're in the movies. They're on TV. They're going to yeah. come back. It's a question of how long you wait and how do you do it, and is it a really good story when you do it? Right. And as, as far as you as the writer, I mean, you 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 obviously love love the stories, but you don't necessarily feel overly protective on, on having the. When you the, write that story, you treat it as if this is it, and you'll never see them again. You right. know what I mean? Right. But you know, in the back of your head, that you're going to see them again. Right. <laughs> so um, now, in terms of Craven's Last Hunt, yeah. Now this this is a story that I know um, when uh, Comic Should Be Good blog did a top fifty reader story countdown for Spider Man and it was the number one story. I mean when when you were putting this together, I mean did you have any sense what a phenomenon this story would be? No, you never have a sense of that. I knew it was a good story. I knew it was a good story. But you don't think, oh, 25 years from now, I'm going to be sitting around and it's going to be voted the best Spider-Man story of all time. Right, right. <laughs> it doesn't cross your mind. All I knew is what it was a good story. It was a story that really meant a lot to me while I was writing it. I was very emotionally invested in that story. And I had the fun of working with Mike Zeck, who's one of the best artists on the right. planet. And, and the, the most amazing part of the whole thing 
was that Marvel let us do it exactly the way we wanted to do it, right. which is really pretty astonishing. Now, isn't there some backstory to how that story? Like, wasn't this really in the works for a while? And wasn't it? Wasn't it even being pitched for other characters? Yes. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. There, so there's a longer version, but the shorter version was that that, that um, I originally pitched it to Tom DeFalco, and you can go down there and, and find him, and he'll tell you it's true, or he don't, or he won't remember. Right. <laughs> as as of all things, a Wonder Man miniseries. Because they, they had done some Wonder Man story once where he died, and he came back, and I loved that idea. Oh, you die, you come back. But what is that really like, you know? Yeah. And Tom said, I don't like that. <laughs> Thank God he said, I don't like that. <laughs> so I, I rejiggered the story, and I, and I worked it up as a Batman story uh, with Batman and the Joker, where the Joker kills Batman. And then the twist was that after the Joker kills Batman, uh, his life is fulfilled, so his mind snaps, and he goes sane. And... What I think happened then was this is back in the days where they would do like one Batman graphic novel a year. And I remember right. Denny O'Neill saying, Well, we already have our Batman graphic novel okay. for this year, you know? <laughs> so I went off with it and I said, Oh, well, forget this. Oh, oh, no, no. The Joker thing was Len Wein. And Len Wein said, We're doing the killing joke right now. Uh, okay. which I did. So I don't want to do two Joker stories that explore his backstory <laughs> at the same time. And then with Denny, I redid it as a Hugo Strange story without the Joker. And he said, Forget it. And I was like, So I put my Joker story aside and like years later did it as a Legends of the Dark Knight story called Going Sane, which is my favorite Batman story that I ever wrote. Mm. But I had this story, and I knew it was a good story. And then I got invited to come back and do write Spectacular Spider-Man and do it with Mike Zack. Right. And I, I, I kind of reworked the whole story and then realized, oh, God, this is a Spider-Man story. This works so beautifully with Peter Parker. He had just married Mary Jane. So he had all that emotional resonance. Yeah. It was perfect. And then I very randomly came across Craven in a uh, in a Marvel Universe uh, handbook. And I, and I was reading, and I went, oh, my God, perfect character. Right. Oh, and Mike Zeck is going to do it. Let's bring back Vermin, because we did that character. And all these elements came together very randomly, and yet once they came together, they came together very purposefully. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like I, I, I wrote in the introduction to the Glass Craven reprinting that stories have lives and timings of their own. It was like this story waited until every single element was ready. And even my own life, I was in a really, really hellish place in my life when I wrote that story. But it was great for the story. Because right. all that agony and angst that the characters were going through, I was feeling in my life. So I really poured it all in there. So everything came together in a really an amazing way. It yeah. felt horrible, but it was really great. <laughs> Listen, I mean, timing really... I mean, because to me, that story doesn't work if Peter isn't married. And, no. and freshly married. Because no. that, that, that just adds to the desperation. Right. It's, 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 um, yeah, it's so tragic. And there's poor Mary Jane. I just married this guy, and I was worried about all this crazy Spider-Man stuff anyway. And now, where is he? Um, is there, beyond the obvious ones that we were, we're talking about, I mean, are there other Spider-Man stories that you hold very near and dear to you that maybe you, other people don't talk about as much? I, know, I love the whole run I did with Sal Buscema. Yeah. A Child Within and, and the, the Death of Harry story is really a favorite. And there were a lot of little, like, little five, six-page stories. I did a little Aunt May story where it was just about her waking up in the middle of the night remembering when Aunt Uncle Ben was killed. Just a little five-page thing, uh, which I really, really liked. Um, and I'm sure there are a lot of those little ones. But I just did one on Amazing Spider-Man 700, the, na the name of which now completely escapes me. Spider Dreams, <laughs> Spider Dreams. I was really happy with that. And it was just like a 15-page story. But it was, my, it was like my tribute to the entire history of Spider-Man. And I had a blast doing that, and it really turned out really, really nicely. So, um, but but I've, I've I've been very lucky with Spider-Man. I've gotten to do really everything I've wanted to do okay. with that character. I think at this point I don't know if I'd have anything to say 
you know, maybe with you know Scarlet Spider Kane or something like that, or they brought back Ben Riley or whatever. Right. But for Peter Parker, I've I've been so lucky. I've done so many stories. I've explored that character from every angle. You know, so uh, um, so I, I I and it's been a great honor because he's really one of the great characters. Really one of the great characters, without a doubt. And I know I know our listeners would agree. Um, so what else are you working on right now? What what are some of your current projects? Oh, good lord. Uh, um, <laughs> happy to say that I'm as busy as I've ever been right now. At DC, I'm doing Phantom Stranger. I just picked up Justice League Dark. Keith Giffen and I are doing Larflees, which is one of the weirdest titles for a comic book in history. And we're just getting started on Justice League 3000. Um, Mike Plug and I have a new original project that we're doing for, I can't say yet because they haven't announced it, but we're going to start work on that early next year. Um... I am writing a Batman animated movie for Warner Brothers. Um, I can't say what it is or anything about that either, but I'm like, I just finished the second draft and I'm really, really having fun with it. It's really, really a great project. I'm doing some stuff for the Archie superhero line. Oh, okay. I just, uh, they're doing a Fox miniseries and Mike Cavallaro and I are doing a backup with the Shield there. And they just asked us to do a five issue Shield miniseries, so we're going to do that for next year. Um, and there's a Spider-Man project at Marvel that's not a comic book, and I can't say anything else about it. <laughs> and it relates to something we spoke about, but I have to be mysterious until they announce it. Okay, understandable. Well, we, so, all look, we look forward to that. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, urge our, our listeners to check out all your other work that you're doing right now. Well, and, thank you. And we really do thank you for taking a couple of minutes out. Uh, uh, you know, we, our listeners really do adore your work, and, uh, you know, I, I, I hope you realize that. You know, it... I always say this, you know, freelancers, we sit in a room by ourselves and we play with our imaginary friends and you have no idea. And one of the reasons why it's nice to come out to these conventions is people come up and they talk to you and you realize that, oh my God, these stories do have some meaning to people. You know, they don't just mean something to me. And that these Spider-Man stories have really had a good, long, healthy life is very gratifying. It's very gratifying. That they're not just some disposable comic book that came out and disappeared, you know? So, yeah, I am very grateful to everyone that really has read the work and appreciated the work and taken it into their hearts. Well, thanks again to James Demetrius for joining us on Superior Spider Talk. So thanks again to J.M. Demetrius for taking the time out to speak with us on Saturday at the Connecticut Comic Con. Uh, and meanwhile, please be on the lookout for Superior Spire Talk episodes 9 through 12 as they get released in the near future, featuring all our other interviews from the event. Uh, the next one up uh, will be Mark Bagley, the great artist from Amazing and the Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, and I, I was really excited to speak to him, so you'll get to hear me interview him, and um, it was a real, uh, really fun time. So I hope you're looking forward to that. Uh, and in the meantime, Dan, where can we find your work? Well, of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at, at Dan Gavazdin. You can read my movie reviews on grindmyreels.com. And I think that's about it for now. As for me, Dan, you can find me at chasingamazingblog.com or follow me on Twitter at chasingasmblog. Like me on Facebook at facebook.com slash chasingamazing. And, of course, read my weekly gimmick or good feature on Comics Should Be Good, which is where I focus on the 1990s era of chromium-colored comic books. And you got a bunch more of them from the con, so I look forward to reading some of those. Exactly. How about some glow-in-the-dark Ghost Rider? <laughs> well, you can find all of our Superior Spider Talk podcasts at superiorspidertalk.podomatic.com or find us on iTunes by searching Superior Spider Talk 
or really just search Spider-Man because it's the first one of the first things that comes up. And if you do, please leave a rating and a comment and let us know how we're doing, and we'll read it on air on our next regular episode. If you have any opinions on these comics or JMD that we talked to today or any questions, please email, email them to us at superiorspidertalk at gmail.com, and we're going to address them and read them on the air. Sounds good, Dan. And before we go, let's just all remember Uncle Ben's advice. With great podcasts comes Superior Spider Talk. <laughs>